if you looked at our Amazon queue, like of our recent orders, yeah, it's just crazy. I'm almost half embarrassed to think about all the stuff I order from Amazon. It's kind of like if somebody looked at my viewing history from Netflix, I'd probably get arrested. I'm probably on a watch list of some sort. <laughs> Because of all the crime dramas? Yeah. It's all like the psychopath or drug lord related programming. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. And welcome to another episode of Touchpoint, episode 79 to be precise. I am Reed Smith, joined as always by Chris Boyer. Hey Reed, I'm looking forward to uh, another great episode with you. This is becoming a regular thing. Uh, Maybe we should uh, turn this into a podcast or something. (laughs) (laughs) We should start scheduling these. We we certainly appreciate 79 episodes in, all of you listening, uh, certainly our sponsors and and everybody else. Uh, If you have not, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That is the number one way that it will uh, help us uh, grow our audience and help other people find this great content. So we certainly appreciate that. Touchpoint.health is the website where you can find more about this show, this episode, and all the other shows on the Touchpoint Media Network. Many other shows. Seven other shows, soon to be nine other shows besides this one. So more to come on that. But uh, like I mentioned, we would not have gotten to episode 79 without our sponsors. And uh, maybe we'll take a minute to uh, tip the hat to Loyal. Uh, healthcare consumers uh, want to know what patients have to say, and they, they definitely pay attention to the number of stars out beside a physician's name. I know, I know, I do. I do too. And for for health systems, they're really paying attention too, because they know that embracing doctors' reviews and star ratings is a win-win strategy, but only if you do it the right way. That's right. And so Loyal's AI-driven platform provides health systems with the tools needed to amplify patient feedback and guide other patients and those very patients through their digital journey. Loyal has a multidisciplinary team of engineers, marketers, data scientists, and they partner with the nation's leading health systems to promote patient feedback online. And what that really means is they know what they're doing and they work with the best. For more information on all the products they offer and to uh, schedule a demo and see what they've got going on, uh, visit them online at loyalhealth.com. That's loyalhealth.com. And tell them Touchpoint sent you. So ad agencies going by the wayside. That's what we're talking about today, right? Uh, Yeah, well, we knew we'd be talking about this pretty soon, wouldn't we? And it's not new. I don't think that this is a new thing. Well, maybe, maybe to people working in ad agencies, they might their ears might have jumped a little bit and said, wait, what? There's, they're going by the wayside? <laughs> yeah, I'm out of work. I'm looking for a job at agencies. They're gone. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't know that I work necessarily for or spend my time in an ad agency in the traditional sense. Pun intended? No pun intended? <laughs> I, I don't know. Anyway, but I guess the way we think of it, uh, <laughs> of course, the first thing that comes to mind is Mad Men. First of all, all I'm going to say is, Reed, 
you'd make a really good Don Draper. Maybe the mm. Texas-style Don Draper in that in that case. But in, in the case of when we think about Mad Men and that sort of that agency approach, at one point in time in hospitals and health systems, we used to think that's what marketing is. I mean, and you've said this before, read a couple of times, that marketing traditionally in, in hospitals, health systems, was really considered just advertising. Well, I mean, that was the only, if you look at the four Ps, the only one we've really ever, and, and probably at least mostly spend our time with even now, is promotion. So that's why I think of it as, as advertising, uh, as an advertising department. You know, we're not we're not talking about the product much, uh, or we're not involved in the evolution of the product much, certainly not price. Uh, or placement. Well, but I mean, if you think about it, right, I think a lot of healthcare marketers would argue, well, we really don't have a lot to say about the price or the product. I mean, it is healthcare after all. I mean, what we do is what everybody else does in this space. So the only thing we're really good at is the art of promotion. And so I think that's why we kind of gravitate naturally towards that. When you start looking at outside companies here, just to hear until like the last probably you know, 10 years, certainly last five years, we've predominantly dealt with and hired agencies. We're starting to see, you know, an evolution there where we're hiring more technology companies now, but predominantly that's, that was really kind of our interaction with the outside world, right? Was to hire an agency. Because they would be able to bring in some creative skills and talents. They'd be able to bring in maybe the manpower to actually mm-hmm. create the ads and, and the and the intelligence around how to buy those ads correctly and do the media buying and planning and all of those things. Stuff that traditionally within the hospital walls was a little bit hard for us to do because we're either too busy or we just don't have our capabilities. Yeah, so when we think about agencies in a historical sense, uh, it was predominantly a branding exercise, mm-hmm. right? They're building campaigns, occasionally branding or rebranding the organization, something like that. You know, new look, new feel. It was it was all about the aesthetic mm-hmm. and messaging. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's there's nothing at all wrong with that. But I think you know we're starting to see the idea of advertising. Uh, it, it's changed. You know, it's evolving. Yeah, it really has. So when you said advertising in the past was about branding, to me, uh, I kind of equate that to advertising is a lot about awareness, right? Top of the funnel stuff. Now, you mentioned this, Reed, over the last 10 years, things have changed. And guess what's happened over the last 10 years? A little spoiler alert. That's what mostly our show is about. Digital. <laughs> the internet, right? Yeah. The internet's yeah. coming to play. Well, and, and even even when you think about the internet existing over 10 years ago, it wasn't as we know it now, right? So mm-hmm. uh, when I was a marketing director at a hospital from 2003 to 2007, we had a website. As a matter of fact, I built a new website while I was there, but it was, it was a brochure. There wasn't a lot of interactivity to it. We didn't change a lot on a day or, you know, certainly not hourly or, you know, basis. There's, there's no interaction. It was just, it was brochure where it just happened to be online. And over the last 10 years, the internet has really certainly evolved and taken on life of its own. The internet and like other additive tools and other digital tools like social media and email and other things like that, where it becomes less of a one-way type of communication. Now there's ways where we can actually become more sophisticated, 
again, refer back to one of our previous episodes about inbound <laughs> marketing, using, you know, different ways to sort of engage and get feedback and understand how people are reacting to our to our content online. So, I mean, you know, realistically, in the last 10 years has been uh, the advent of social media. I mean, there were things that existed pre previous to that, but not, not in a way that brands and organizations really used them. I think another thing there is, is um, being able to, to measure uh, what it is that we're doing. Oh yeah. Measurement has evolved so much over the last couple of years. And, you know, I've been in the space for about 10 years and have seen the ability to measure become much more sophisticated, much more trackable. And not only, with you know additional data so we know more about people and how they're interacting with us before they even start to interact with us but roi and being able to optimize there's a lot of stuff a b testing there's a lot of things involved with that yeah and so that that's one of the biggest deficits that i think people at least think of historically when they think of advertising uh, brand advertising is mm-hmm. is the lack of being able to uh, equate that to to a downstream roi Oh, well, I guess you can measure through awareness or net promoter score. But, you know, really, when you talk about measurement of awareness, it's like, how do you measure that? You know, how do you measure how many people are aware of your brand? It's a hard thing to do. Another thing to read that where advertising is evolving is there's a lot of focus now on, on influencer advertising and sort of this online world word of mouth stuff that's going on. Social media mm. is a big part of that as well, right? Yeah, I mean, again, with social media, it's, it's now allowing anybody to say anything for any reason at any time. That can be good or bad. Um, mm-hmm. Now, a lot of that depends on uh, your organization, reputation, and all those types of things. But if it's good, then you can take advantage of, of influencers uh, to really kind of amplify what historically really was word of mouth in the traditional sense of like people actually physically talking face to face with someone else and telling them something. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, these tools have just, just amplified that and allowed that to grow a lot quicker, a lot faster or ripple out a lot quicker. Well, not only has advertising as a medium changed, I think also, um, marketing as a function within the organization has expanded over the last 10 years as well. At least I've seen that in my experience, right? And and I, I don't know, maybe it's unique to hospitals or not. I sometimes I guess, sometimes think when we're working within the healthcare system we that we're 15, 10 to 15 years behind the time. But a lot of people in other industries have said to me, oh, you're not the only ones behind the time. We're so slowly starting to break out of the marketing and branding walls, right? Absolutely. And I think uh, we've talked a lot about this, obviously, but one of those biggest intersections is, is patient or consumer experience. That has been a big focal point uh, for hospitals specifically over the years, um, but it's typically done via senior leadership. And then there was the advent of, uh, of an experienced officer or experienced department. And a lot of training went into that. And the experience was on site to some degree, right? When people are here uh, in and amongst these walls, it was about that experience. Well, that's now morphed into the experience people have with your organization, regardless of where they're physically located. So it could be mm-hmm. the you know online world, could be in person, et cetera. So through that, then marketing has kind of evolved. You're seeing the graying of the line 
between the marketing department and you know those that that deal with experience. In addition to experience, we're getting more involved with operations. It could be patient access, the call centers. Uh, it could be mm-hmm. you know people that are are front line that are, are interacting with patients directly, and that kind of relates to experience. But really, more and more marketing is having those conversations with. Look, if we're going to go out into the market with this campaign. A, you're, a, uh, you at the call center, here's the things you want to know about what we're saying because we're driving people to you. And secondly, should we be doing this? Do you have enough capacity? We're really having some operational questions when it's related to marketing. Some of that even bleeds into quality. So again, uh, experience, uh, access points within the organization, uh, quality mm-hmm. kind of all morphs together. Yeah. Of course, ITNS, uh, we're seeing more and more uh, marketing mm-hmm. technology make its way into the marketplace, whereas right. the technology used to pretty much exist in, in one place. Uh, the only technology mm-hmm. we used were computers. So, I mean, I think that the expanded reach within the organization is is not understated uh, in the sense that, you know, the marketing department, I think we heard BG Porter even talk about this several weeks ago. We were talking about patient experience from the Studer Group. Uh, was mm-hmm. that was a really interesting place to be within the organization to carry a, kind of that message and the feel for the organization, that brand experience across the, the whole organization. Clearly then advertising is evolving. Um, marketing is evolving. So naturally, advertising agencies are evolving, right? Are they? Well, that's the question, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's that's the premise of the podcast, I guess, right? Um <laughs> Well, there's a there's a really interesting article. We'll we'll have a link to it in the show notes. It's it's over on Forbes, uh, but it's the future of ad agencies, and so it talks about advertising and in advertising agencies is really coming out of the short end of the stake. But anyway, both as uh, in, in a couple of different categories. The author said he analyzed four problems that we're trying to solve. Performance, marketing, influencers, entertainment, and platforms. And we'll walk through each one of those. And then he also broke down winners and losers among agencies, brands, and media for each trend. So I thought it was it was, it was good. Let's, let's dive in. Yeah. So the first one is advertising as performance marketing. Hmm. So performance, hmm. the word performance immediately tells to me that we're, we can measure it in some way. Right. right. Because how, how else would it be, you know, how, how would you know you perform, how well you performed if you could measure it? So uh, advertising as performance marketing is really that idea of delivering on a more targeted, relevant, faster pace, um, you know, talking about ads to consumers, things like that. Um, and trying to solve, you know, a particular type of goal. He, there was one thing he wrote here that I just want to pause on and get your take on this. He said the right message at the right time through the right channel makes communication relevant. We've talked about this before, right? That sometimes there's that whole concept of interruption and is the right message at the right time relevant? Is that what people really want? Right. From my perspective, I was thinking, is that really the goal of performance marketing to get the right message at the right time in the right channel? Because sometimes that may not be the performance that you're seeking, right? It may be that you're trying to drive people the right way, or maybe you're trying to get them to choose things a little bit differently. So I don't think it's necessarily that whole right channel, right communication, right time thing. But I think it's really the achieving the goal of what you're trying to achieve from your marketing efforts, 
or your advertising efforts. Yeah, I think so. Now, one thing he does say in here, which I think is a critical component of this, is is personalization doesn't solve the credibility problem. So you still have to have a good product at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So let's not gloss over that, but we'll set that kind of over here to the side. You know, assuming you have a good product from an idea of performance marketing. You know, he chalks the winners up to being Google, Facebook, Amazon, you know, all these newer platforms that we've seen again in the last 10 years or so really come into play as far as, um, you know, advertising platforms specifically. Well, he says that they own the data, they own the relationship, and they define the rules of the game. So clearly that's why they're the winners, right? Right. So, and then the losers being uh, brands and ad agencies. <laughs> and, and the reason is, is because this idea of an ad free platform. So again, you know, if you think about um, even the YouTube, was it YouTube red? I think it is that you can pay for and eliminate the ads, right? Well, YouTube still gets their money. I assume, I don't know exactly how that breaks down, but I'm assuming the content creator still gets their money as far as YouTube goes or what have you. Uh, but who loses yeah. out? The people that lose out are the advertisers and the people that create the ads. So the, the big ad agencies. Right. Uh, but we see that, right. you know, with HBO and you know, all these ad free components. Uh, but to his point, you know, as far as especially Google and Facebook, well, and Amazon, I guess, uh, the point being is that they make the rules, like you mentioned a minute ago. Um, if you're going to participate, you're just kind of at that mercy. It's never going to be with your interest in mind as the ad agency or as the brand. Pivoting to the second point where he says advertising as influencers, the point here is that we've talked about influencer marketing, that that is really a, a, a more effective way to promote brands through social channels, through social media, that the premise is that people trust more people than advertisers, so to speak. So if other people are being used as influencers, that's a more effective way to get your message out there in a, in a credible, authentic way. We, we talk a lot about this in healthcare, especially as it relates to you know, services you may have done. So we think about surgery or something that's not quite... Well, the acuity may be high, but maybe the time sensitivity isn't quite. Maybe you have to have knee surgery mm-hmm. or back surgery or something like that, right? Or it's not, right? you know, you're not unconscious in an ER somewhere, but you get to spend mm-hmm. some time and think and choose. Well, first, first off, you want to go and you want to find somebody close to you, a family member that's had the same thing done. This guy got his knee scoped or, you know, my cousin got her hip replaced or whatever, right? You kind of do that thing. And if you don't have one of those, well, then you go to fam- you go to friends, you know, find a find a friend or an acquaintance that's had the same thing done. Mm-hmm. And now, if that's not the case, if you don't have one of those, now you're looking online. Who does Kim Kardashian promote? Exactly. So that's where you get this the influencers piece. And so historically, mm-hmm. that stopped with people that you could track down via phone, <laughs> right, or in person. Mm-hmm. So. It was that mm-hmm. friend or family member, but now we're able to go that one step further, and that's where influencers come in. And guess who the losers are in all of this? I'm going to go with brands and ad agencies, Alex. <laughs> what are what are brands and ad agencies? Yeah. 
That's right. You have to pose it, the answer in the form of a question. Yes. Brands are still at the mercy of influencers Mm -hmm. um, because they're out there on social platforms. That's what influencers kind of own, right? And again, social networks will own the data and the relationship. Remember that. And agencies' roles um, are going to diminish as well because, quite frankly, ads are losing their efficacy. Next, uh, advertising is entertainment. This is an interesting one, and we've seen it some through the years if you really think back, but it's become more relevant and and the need for it more relevant uh, in recent years. So you think of the idea, um, they give the example of the Lego movie. You know, the entire movie is the advertising, is long-form content. This is like kind of content marketing amped up into more of an entertainment way. So I remember a couple of years ago, there was that uh, TV program that was based on Johns Hopkins. Mm. And it was like a reality show every week. You know, I think it was called Hopkins or something like that. I, I've seen that happen before. And, you know, I've even seen some, some approaches now where content marketing is making the leap from being informational to being more of like a storytelling platform. Yeah. So like a day in the life of a nurse or a day in the life of, you know, I've seen a lot of that stuff happen recently mm-hmm. as a way to really kind of draw affinity to the brand. Is that kind of what this is addressing? Yeah, I think so. And, and we've seen some other hospitals do it uh, specifically. Uh, I remember Baylor Scott and White did one uh, a couple years ago. And it was kind of like a mini series, you know, three or four episodes that ran, you know, there locally. And of course, it was online and, and things like that. And I think those are the interesting, you know, where people can kind of get involved and watch. You know, you look at like even <clears throat> some of the Netflix documentaries, uh, like Last Chance You, for example. You know, it's a documentary about a you know football team at a particular school. Well, that school is getting more publicity from this than they ever could, you know, advertising or doing, you know, pushes at high schools to try to get new students. Yeah, it's just a different way to get in front of people, I think. And again, it's in the form of, of entertainment. You know, they've got the winners in here as film production companies and big brands. I think that, you know, there's some other ones in there, obviously, uh, some other big brands. The Losers. Uh, they actually have a small brands because, you know, you just oh, can't. Yeah. You can't afford to do it. If I was a mom and pop toy company, I can't create something like the Lego movie. Or if you're a small hospital, you can't afford a content marketing play where you're hiring an agency to build out all the content just because it's such a long-term play, right? And it's it's not going to reach your immediate rewards. So that's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, you can think of it. You can still do it. It's just on a smaller scale. So you think about, like, comedians in cars getting coffee with uh, Jerry Seinfeld. I, I've known people that have done you know that type of a scenario where it's kind of a themed – it's just got different people in it, but they do the same thing, you know, kind of like that show. It's that they're getting coffee. It's just, you know, insert guest each time. And so you can do those, some, some of those types of things and potentially get some traction. I mean, that's the upside of social media, right? If you, if you can hit it just right, you've got an opportunity. But again, smaller brands don't have the dollars uh, to really amplify that in a lot of cases. Okay, well, let's go to the fourth one which is advertising as a platform. And this is interesting because it it indicates here in the article, customers are no longer buying products, they're buying experiences. 
And so therefore, as you're out there trying to promote your brand, you're really trying to promote the whole platform of your brand as an experience. Yeah, I get that. I, you know, the the examples that he should that, that they talk about in here with like like Uber, for example, get it. The Nike Plus running app. Mm, nobody's buying Nike shoes because of that. I don't think they're buying that because of the Nike running shoes, right? They already have a brand affinity there, so I don't know that that one's a good example necessarily. Now I think it's a good idea on how you add that on and it may create some retention, but I think Amazon and Uber are the better examples that they give there. Amazon's a great experience, a great example of like the platform. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look, I count all the Amazon products I have in my household now Mm -hmm. and I'm like thinking, wait, how did that happen? How did I suddenly become an Amazon household? And that's because that's the platform that they're trying to make. And I would say that they're probably similar people saying the same thing about Google doing that. But what's interesting is that he, in this article, he indicates that brands and ad agencies are the winners here. So that's, you know, that's a good thing, right? I mean, I understand the agencies being the winner. I, I guess the brands do because it's then subsequent work. I, I mean, because, so. you know, I guess the, the winners here, are, you know, if you think about other platforms like that, you've got like Airbnb, for example. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how the brand, how ad agencies are necessarily winners other than it's just, you know, they're the ones coming in uh, and helping, I guess, a brand. Uh, anyway, he's got he's got the losers is Google and Facebook, which I don't know that Google and Facebook are ever really losing anything on any of these. Really, I guess it's a relative sense of loss. I actually think they're wake- they're winning. I mean, I actually think Google and Facebook are also benefiting from this. So, if we're really talking about advertising as a platform, all of these platforms, these social media platforms, can stand to benefit from it as long as they make themselves accessible to those brand platforms. Yeah, I think so. And I think when he wraps up this article, he talks about the, you know, there's no silver bullet. Oh, he talks about the future of ad agencies where we'll really be creating platforms that help brands make consumers' life easier and better. And I think that's mm. fair uh, or fair enough. And he talks a little bit about, you know, how to pull that off and, you know, what brands need to start becoming and things like that. And so we're already seeing some brands do this. Um and do it pretty well uh, because I think some of this, what we're not talking about is just the commoditization of some of the things that agencies have done. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors and that's our good friends at binary fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. You, you mentioned agencies, right? And we've been talking a lot about agencies and even you know having a doomsday scenario for some of them. I want to talk a little bit about how agencies can maybe survive or maybe some of the the good things about an agency and maybe try to cast a positive light for those those of our agency friends that might be listening in. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you found an article. It's actually a guy that you know, um, and a a good podcaster 
that from the days of old. Yeah, right? days of way back when. Gosh, Amadi, I wonder how long they've been doing that. I have to look that up. But anyway, this particular, uh, it's actually a blog post is written by Christopher S. Penn. And he wrote a quick, you know, kind of just simple post about the future of agencies uh, in an AI world. So wait, are you saying that AI is threatening an agency too? What doesn't AI threaten? <laughs> All of it. All of it, clearly. <laughs> um, they're all taking it. The robots are taking over. Th- think about like, why Why do you hire an agency? I, I think of a couple of reasons. Uh, one is, and I'm thinking hospitals specifically, one is there's not enough hours in the day, right? So we need more people. And in hospital, we're not going to be able to hire any more FTEs. So we need more people to do things. Um, so that's one reason. Certainly, there's there's some level of expertise or experience or something there. They've done this before. Uh, they've worked with other people. I, you know, but there's some sort of level of expertise or experience there. Or they focus on like branding, or they focus on digital, or or what have you, right? So that's what they do. That's their jam, and that's what they do all the time. So they're really good. Yeah, right. And, and you realistically, or at least you hope, you're paying for what you're getting versus hiring people that are going to be there just indefinitely. And his point is, uh, in other words, agencies offer the same benefits that many tout for AI. Wait, what? So expertise, scalability, <laughs> less overhead, mm-hmm. the ability to do work. And mm-hmm. so I read that and I was like, uh oh, wait a minute. The robots are taking over. So he's got some thoughts here <laughs> on like, you know, how to stay ahead of mm-hmm. that. The first one, which is is probably a you know, it's common, uh, but basically is just be one step ahead, right? We're faster to adopt the technology. So if you think about it from an agency standpoint, Let's use podcasting or an Alexa skill or something like that, right? So if you can figure out how to do that quicker than other people, then people will just be like, oh, okay, cool. You do it. Another one here that he mentions in outrace clients to build domain knowledge about AI in the vertical. So training, strategy, again, doesn't have to be about AI. Mm-hmm. Again, you could fill in anything there. So if you become really, really good at SEO, then maybe people will just hire you for that because you know more about that. Yeah. You know, so the idea is to go super deep. And even like in some of the the digital, the, some of the good digital agencies I've worked with, they have the capability to really um, assess things that, that might be hard for computers or any kind of, you know, more structured formal databases or whatever to understand. They can understand the, the political factors, the non technical factors behind uh, good SEO strategies or what have you. I think if you're, if you can really build that domain knowledge and also bring the human aspect to it, it's going to keep you that much more ahead. Um, the other thing is like building systems that you own or mm-hmm. lock in strategic partners. You know, you see different folks have maybe analytic packages or benchmarking, you know, things like that. Dashboards um, seem to be fairly common. Uh, and this is why we were talking about in that other article about why, you know, Amazon's winning or Uber or one of those, right? Ultimately, he talks about it, and this isn't a bad one, you know, double down on creativity. This is that old adage of like, you know, there's always room for a better widget. So like, if you're just better, you're just better. So whether that's, you know, the strategies you create, the creativity you have, the artwork you create, whatever it is, if you're the best at doing that, you'll have work. And moreover, it's not just the creativity, right? It's 
that multidisciplinary strategy, right? To really know how all of the different channels, so not just be a digital agency, right? be an agency that can understand digital and offline and, and, and be well-versed at how those things relate together. Those are things that are really hard for a computer or for junior people in this space to really understand well. If you could do that, I mean, you've built the better mousetrap. Are they dead? <laughs> are ad agencies dead? I don't know. I mean, I don't think they're they're dead per se. I mean, we'll we'll get another perspective in our interview coming up, but I I'm not sure if they're going to be completely dead. I think they're just evolving like everything else. I, again, back to our original idea, the mediums are changing. The uh, the capabilities within an organization are changing. So naturally, the the capabilities of the agencies that support the internal mm. structures have to also change. I think maybe it's in my mind, a little bit of semantics, you know, we, we call them advertising agencies, but I don't know that that's really what a lot of these groups are doing. If you think about like, like what I do, for example, or what you, what you've done historically and some of these other groups, I mean, we're, we're not in there pitching, you know, traditional advertising Mm-hmm. you know, campaigns, brand work, things like that, right? We're we're training on new technology. We're, you know, coaching people on, you know, uh, experience and some different things like that. And I think that's really what we're talking about here. If you had to classify, though, uh, these groups, they would be advertising agencies. I guess we call them marketing agencies. I don't know. Just may call, we may just call them AI before too long, apparently. <laughs> Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would, I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else, they've also got some complimentary solutions on their website, but, but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems, kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com. point. Touch counterpoint. There are two sides to every story. Ready, fight! All right, Reed. Well, we've been talking about the death, or maybe not death, of uh, advertising agencies in this episode. I thought it might be interesting for us to do in our in our argument segment uh, a uh, argument about the co- the concept of a digital advertising agency are digital advertising agencies dead now i think that's the question or are digital advertising agencies just advertising agencies (laughs) so i thought let's throw that out there to discuss what are your what are your thoughts yeah i think so i don't think there's a such thing as a digital agency anymore i think it's just an agency i don't think there's any way to delineate the two 
Now you may have different services you offer, but to call it, I think is uh, to call it digital versus traditional or whatever you want to call it uh, is maybe a little disingenuous. It doesn't really make sense because there's no, there's no start or stop there really anymore. I don't know, Reed. I have to say that digital is still a little bit tricky to navigate. I agree with the overall sentiment that eventually we're going to get to the point where digital is just ubiquitous with marketing or advertising. But in this particular case, I still think that there's a lot of nuance around digital that requires a depth of expertise. Most traditional advertising agencies do not have the deep skills around SEO, they probably don't have the deep skills around building a good SEM campaign. You need a really good depth of knowledge around those particular disciplines. And so therefore, I don't think digital advertising is dead at all. I think um, it's still, you you need that specialization in, in the agency world. Well, they better pick up the pace or they're going to be dead. I didn't know, we just, we just talked about this, like they're dying. <laughs> so I think this is a point of self-selection. I mean, we're going to see an extinction of some of these agencies because they're not going to evolve. So the idea of an agency is they're going to have to provide services that, you know, people want and need. And so to try to force people back into, well, but this is what I offer. Just not going to work. Or at least you're not going to get, you're not going to continue to grow. You may continue fulfilling that particular niche or need, I guess. Again, I, I, I'm not sure I totally agree with you on that because I think that that specialization can really differentiate you. I mean, even that last point we had in the, in the last conversation about you need to double down on your, your capabilities. Well, digital is one area where you could double, triple, quadruple down because it gets so complex. You, you're not going to expect a typical agency to be on top of all the Google changes and algorithm changes. I mean, how are they going to do that? You have to have someone that that's what their dedicated focus is or a team. That's what their dedicated focus is. That's what makes them better. So I, I don't know. I'm thinking again, it's not, not to say that, you know, overall we're generally walking down this path of where we're going to have to have a little bit more full service capabilities, but we can't all be generalists. We need some specialists here. Super. Now I've got to, now I've got to hire like nine of these goofballs to come in here and tell me how I'm doing everything else wrong. The problem though, is that if we bring in all these subspecialists, if you will, <laughs> since we're talking about hospitals and marketing, um, <laughs> They can't work independently of each other. Like they all have to inter, interlace. Therefore, that makes no sense. That means the agency really needs to move in that direction. So from a seamless and from a lower overhead standpoint, you can do all of these under um, you know, one effort, if you will. Well, sure. I mean, I agree with you on that point. And I'm wondering if we're talking about Doctors now or agencies, because I guess the same holds true for them too, right? You can't have a bunch of subspecialists working on your individual body. You need someone to kind of have, you know, oversight of everything. A multidisciplinary you team the, is what you need. <laughs> that's comprehensive. <laughs> yes. Close to home, right. no yeah. less. And Top quality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I mean, you do need, you do need some, someone to kind of uh, over, understand and, and and have oversight against a larger strategy. But, you know, I'm not suggesting that you bring in a digital agency and a billboard agency and an agency that's focusing on video production. But 
in some cases, I think it makes sense to bring in those people. We can't get there. I think that just creates too much uh, division or siloed activity within a larger brand effort. It's just it's just going to become harder. Yeah, I'm 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 walking back a little bit because I think one of us needs to walk at least a little bit towards the center. I think that the happy medium is somewhere there. Reed, uh, you can't you can't have all generalists there. You need some specialty capabilities, and you know honestly, agencies can partner together to really accomplish a lot of this if they don't have those capabilities in house, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, there, there's obviously uh, again, like we mentioned, if you're good at what you do, there'll always be work. I, I think that's true, and I think we leave the uh, the generalist duties to the millennials. All right, welcome back to the Ask the Experts section of our podcast today, and I am delighted to inv- to have on our show today Stephen Megling from Haley Sue. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, I'm excited to be here, Chris. Awesome. I'm so glad you're here. Now, you and I have known each other for a number of years, but maybe a lot of our listeners might not know who you are. So would you mind giving a little bit of a background and tell us tell us a little bit about yourself? I've, I have been involved within healthcare marketing for over 20, 20 years now. Came into the industry working uh, in the traditional ad agency environment. Uh, and early in my career, I was a writer for... Uh, Duracell batteries and Purdue Chicken and Goodyear tires and all these kind of big, you know, Fortune 500 brands made the tra- tra- the transition to provider-based marketing, healthcare marketing, um, and never really looked back. Never wanted to. Uh, I, I felt like I'd found my calling. You went from batteries to bodies. Oh, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you've been in this space for a very long time, and over the years, you might have seen a lot of changes in the way uh, advertising and marketing has occurred in, in healthcare and hospitals. I have seen several iterations, and I think most recently, within the last year or two in particular, at least from my vantage point, I think that uh, the, the next phase or cycle of advertising agencies in healthcare um I think it's probably the most pronounced shift that I've seen so far. Uh, and, it, and it's given me a lot of pause. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, we were talking before about how uh, you and I have been involved within the the uh, exhibit, or not exhibit, but just the, the overall conference circuit in terms of best practices and thought leadership. And typically, uh, you know, the, uh, of the larger uh, venues, there's the classic exhibit hall where all the vendors go to peddle their wares, so to speak. And I've I've certainly done that in in my career. But last year I was walking through the exhibit hall at the the largest national healthcare marketing conference. And I noticed Chris something I could, well, I noticed something was different, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And I kept walking around looking at all the exhibit uh, spaces in the booths. And until it finally occurred to me, that for the first time, at least in my career, I couldn't tell the difference between an ad agency and a CRM company and a web development company and a PR firm. It seemed like all of the adjacent, along with the ad agencies, were essentially sharing and saying the same thing. And mm. it really kind of took my breath away. I thought, okay, there's now we have a flashpoint 
within the industry of differentiation and, and who's going to come out on top of this conversation. Yeah, I, I must agree. I have seen that occur as well. It's like there's sort of a, a convergence of a lot of similar activities and similar things that are occurring across many different people that help us that work at hospitals and health systems. Why do you think that's occurring? Well, I think there's probably three or four reasons. Uh, the first is um, that the, as you and Reed have done so well uh, on the podcast and, and in your career have talked about the rise of digital and its dramatic impact on the industry as a whole. Ad agencies have notoriously been very uh, skittish about the digital space, preferring to kind of sit inside the more traditional uh, trappings of, of, the, of the mediums. And so with the rise of digital, it's really blurred the lines uh, between what web developers do as far as helping to now push traffic to the websites that they're building for hospitals. CRM has completely disrupted the entire thing, being essentially an end-to-end solution for acquiring new patients or keeping um, communication going with existing patients. I think that there is a, what I would call just a fear of the future with so much massive, massive change in healthcare and disruption today. I think agencies and other marketing-oriented firms are all just trying to vie for the right position and the right play in the market based on how the wind blows, who's going to come out on top. And the last thing I would just mention, Chris, um, and I think you especially have seen this being within the in the provider space, changes to the buying audience. So the buying audience in this case is the marketing chief marketing officer. We're seeing uh, titles change, responsibilities change. Uh, we're seeing, of course, continued pressure for results and also pressure for different kinds of results. So if mm-hmm. the classic CMO's job was to get more patients in the door, now we're talking about how do we keep people from coming into the hospital because we're helping them to stay well. So there's been this whole fabric uh, disruption. And that's really kind of created these kind of conflicts within the industry. It's hard for those of us who like work within the health system to face those things. And we often turn to people on the outside for expertise and help. But as you're describing it, that must have a tremendous impact on outside agencies that are supporting us. Like, What have you seen some of the changes in ad agencies? Well, I think that there has been a very late race to acquire or partner to provide a true digital solution. And digital can mean so many different things. Um, but it just in one, one aspect, uh, paid search or, or social media, uh, just as two very simple examples of that. So there's been a, a big push to that. But I think the ad agency world, which is where I've lived for my entire career, it's a very uh, disparate or uh, distinctly different mindset that an agency has to have because the digital world is so different. You can't touch and feel certain tactics because they're fluid. Mm-hmm. And so, so the race to try to actually be relevant in, in a whole new channel, which is making up now 60, 70, 80% or more of the media spend has really made the ad agency environment um, very challenging. You know, there's a lot of confusion around what advertising actually is and the different ways to advertise. I think for me, part of the mass confusion these days in the healthcare space of 
inbound versus outbound versus anything else. Mm-hmm. So it's another, there's another shift, which uh, I'd be curious to hear from you, uh, Chris. I think our audience that we're trying to reach, if we just say the classic patient audience, is so mm-hmm. much more complex and has, yeah. there's so many factors at work, both in how you reach them, what they're interested in, at what point in the conversation are, are we in the provider space most relevant? Uh, so that's also created a tremendous impact on how we show up and how we add value. And, and in that particular case, right, with those sort of the, the, the new healthcare consumer bringing in all these outside expectations into the, uh, in, into the way they interact with your organization, I, I, I mean, that, that really puts a tremendous amount of stress on, I would imagine, ad agencies. In, in your experience, how do you see things changing now? Are, are, is there a change or are, is there a transformation going on? I think there is. Um, I think there is. And I know you and Reed had done a, a recent podcast on the rise of the consultancy versus mm-hmm. the agency. And it's interesting because I've been watching and observing that too uh, and being absolutely fascinated by that. I haven't seen that happen to the wide extent it is in other categories um, within healthcare yet. But as part of my work in area of focus, I am endlessly fascinated by how to reinvent ourselves in the ad agency environment to bring more value to our clients. And I think the one place I first go to is how can we truly appreciate the real business objectives and results that our clients are asking for these days? And by starting at that very important question, we start to get a lot better answers. And sometimes those answers don't feel like traditional advertising. Right. Well, okay. So what you're talking about is like how many people drive by the billboard, right? That's what we're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I remember years ago, uh, years ago, we presented a campaign recommendation and uh, one of the recommendations was outdoor, out of home and CFO, um, you know, as CFOs are very good at doing, ask the question. He's like, well, what's the ROI on that billboard? And I thought, okay, well, we, we probably need to take a step back here in terms of how we think about the value proposition of what we're doing. But but advertising itself these days uh, is so much more complex and nuanced and requires, in my opinion, an interdisciplinary council of stakeholders from all departments to really make sure that w- what are we trying to do here and what are the, the, the real problems that we need to solve? Because it might not just be a paid advertising solution, although right. marketing and brand at its very finest is about the product, is about the people. It's about the other P's of marketing other than just promotion. I might even add a little bit to that to say it's about the experience that they have with you as well. Mm. You, you know, I've noticed that, um, you know, over the, the last couple of years myself that we're talking more sophisticated about what are we expecting out of our advertising or our marketing efforts? Like, sure, everybody's trying to 
there's patient acquisition is a big play still, right, in some areas. But in other areas, like you mentioned, you know, it gets a little bit more nuanced. It, it might mm-hmm. be about steering them the right way or maybe sharing preventative messages or even, you know, offering alternate solutions to providing standard care. The phrase, Chris, that I've been using recently and I is how do we define the undefinable? Hmm. And and what I mean by that is, so for example, we, we have a client who came to us and they have this really innovative model of care, primary care based medicine. But in their model, a patient doesn't pay a copay, doesn't pay anything. Medications are free. Every primary care physician spends at least 30 minutes with a patient. They have a sophisticated model where they look at several thousand points of the assessment of the patient and they can model out you know, hey, by the way, in about five years, you're going to have diabetes. We can predict this. We can predict five years, you're going to have heart disease long before, you know, classic symptoms are present. Here's the interesting rub and why they came to us. They said, look, we have this model of care. We're very proud of it. We have amazing results and outcomes. But when we go to the lives that we are taking care of and said, healthcare is free, uh, we're going to be preventative. Uh, medications are free, all the things that I think most consumers' audiences would want, the utilization of my client is so much lower than it should be. And so they said, why is that? We've been telling them the message that we we know they want to hear, and they, they wrap themselves around it, the customer, the client, but they're not utilizing us. And so now it becomes an opportunity to say, what what's really driving this? And I think a lot of what's driving it is, in this particular example, just the biases and fears of the healthcare audience today who mistrust cost. And even though we say it's free, is it going to be free? At least that's the negative loop that's in the minds of the consumer. And healthcare, having worked in it for so many years, we both know, right, that that it's a complex model and it's a complex way to, that we deliver care. Just trying to translate that and make that more easier for the consumer who is coming in with their own expectations of having more control over the situation, that just you know creates maybe like a perfect nexus of challenge from an advertising marketing kind of perspective. Then I, I think the agency of the future is going to think beyond the advertising solution. I think that there will be there will be that true consultant feel to the practice, as well as the important boots on the ground solution set. So both the thinking and doing have to work beautifully together. I mean, that's the ideal model. But I think that every passing year, anybody who's involved in the healthcare experience knows the problems just keep getting more complex and more challenging. And they really have to depend on agencies with that expertise and the ability to really partner with you strategically, I think. I really look at every opportunity with an agency as like, you could be a really good, strong strategic partner. But in and of itself, that's like, it's challenging, right? We have to walk the path together in many ways. We do. And, and, I, and I think one of the benefits of being in the agency world is that I get to be in many ways outside eyes for my clients. And say, well, okay, I'm not inside the organization day to day. Here's a here's a different perspective, or here's some best practices outside of your particular health system in this case. And I think we take the journey together because I think we're we're, we're seeing tremendous talent 
within the organizations and then partnering together. I think it's just that to me is the ideal model. I mean, it's a it's a challenging one. Uh, and it's certainly one that's not for the faint of heart, but <laughs> those of us that do it right, right? I mean, that I think that, that speaks to long-term perseverance in this space. I would just offer a, a theory for the future of healthcare. My belief is that what we're going to see is really just like a binary version of, of two types of positions in the market for, for, for healthcare providers. One position is what I would call the path of irrelevancy. Just being virtually irrelevant in the market. You are a commodity. People go to you because they have to. They don't think about it. It's not worth pursuing a different option. I think the other path is the path of what I would call sacred trust, which is what I think most brands want. That at the end of the day, we are in the business of of life and death, that we do amazing work every day. And I speak on behalf of the clients that I've served over the years. And then I think that we have a beautiful opportunity to innovate and, and transform healthcare uh, and, and, and fix what is broken. And I think that the brands that thrive in the future are the ones who are going to take the path of sacred trust, which is messy and, and, and challenging, uh, but ultimately, I think the most worthwhile venture. Wow, I like that. Uh, th- that gives me inspiration and hope. Wow, Stephen, this is great. Great information that you shared with us. And I knew this conversation was gonna, was going to be great because you and I have had some great conversations in the past. And for people listening in that want to learn a little bit more about you and, and Haley Sue, can you give them some information about how they can reach you? Sure. Well, the first easiest way to reach us is on our website. So it's HaleySue.com, and I probably should spell that out, H-A-I-L-E-Y-S-A-U-L-T.com. They can find out everything they want and more at HaleySue.com. And so we're going to be linking to this, obviously, in the show notes. So so people can go there, obviously, to find it. There's a good blog, I think, right, on your site that people can research more about some of the thoughts that you guys have. Yes, we're, we're much like you, Chris. We try to be, um, we try to share uh, value every week. So you can usually find uh, one to two new posts from us on HaleySue.com. I love some of your posts. They're very, very insightful, and and there's some some good stuff out there. So I recommend that. Stephen, this has just been great. I know that you're calling me from my own state. You're actually up in Minnesota here. So hopefully the next time you, you swing through town that we could find some time to grab some coffee and talk more. I really appreciate your thoughts here today. Oh, my pleasure. This has been fun. All right, wrapping up another great episode, episode 79, Death of the Advertising Agency. Um, or sort of, kind of, who knows? It's all about AI anyway. It was good. And we, and we want to thank Stephen for his interview. I think it was he, he provided some good insight too. A so. couple of announcements before we get into recommendations. Uh, I'm going to be, uh, mm-hmm. we're both going to be a number of places, but uh, next week, August the 15th, Wednesday, August the 15th, I'm actually doing a webinar for Medicom Health uh, called Gain Control of Online Patient Feedback. Make Google, Yelp, and Facebook reviews work for your hospital, not against. But it's free. You can RSVP. So I would encourage you. Would love to uh, have some friendly faces in the crowd, so to speak. But if you'll uh, 
Uh, follow them at Medicom Health over on Twitter. Uh, you'll see that and uh, can click through. They'll also be in the show notes. Another thing that we're going to be both at in on October 15th through the 17th, Reed, we're going to be at the Atlas Conference. That is a conference on patient access sponsored by Kairos. And for listeners of our podcast that work within a hospital or health system, we're encouraging you to go out to their website and register and use the code TOUCHPOINT50 to get 50% off your registration. That's right. So that'll be a lot of fun in the uh, great city of Boston. Gosh, not too not too far away, really. But uh, yeah, middle of October. So after that, shortly after that, uh, a lot of you that listen, I know, have attended historically uh, the Healthcare Internet Conference. Well, this year is in Scottsdale, Arizona, November 5th through the 7th. Chris and I will also be there uh, for that. I'd love to connect with you there. Uh, so be sure to head over and get registered uh, for that uh, conference coming up. And then shortly thereafter, one more conference. We will be at the Mayo Clinic Social Media Conference, uh, November, November 14th through the 15th in Jacksonville, Florida. That's their annual social media conference that Mayo Clinic Center for Social Media holds. There's a lot of great speakers lined up there as well. So if you're interested in social media and you want to learn a little bit more from your peers and experts in the industry and see me and read, make your way on over to the Jacksonville, Florida. Plus, you know, Jacksonville, Florida in November, it's going to be warmer than a lot of other places. So that'll be fun. <laughs> That's right. It'll be fun. So lots of stuff this fall. Uh, appreciate all the support. Like we mentioned earlier, please rate, review, subscribe, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Before we get out of here, uh, recommendations. What do you have? Read earlier today, we were mentioning, uh, we may have mentioned Netflix, and I am going to recommend a new documentary that came on to Netflix mm -hmm. called The Bleeding Edge. Mm. Have you heard about this? Yes, I have. I've only watched the the first like few minutes yep. of the first episode and it's a documentary about how uh, the medical device industry is really moving forward in a very dangerous way with little oversight and the impact it has on patients and safety so it promises to be at least scandalous if not engaging all throughout and i bet you a couple times i'll be shocked yeah, it looks good. It looks good. Basically, I think the FDA just approves anything is what we learned from, from that. Uh, strangely, I am also recommending a Netflix uh, documentary. Oh. Documentary series. What, what are those? What do you call those? Docu-series? Which, I'm, I'm a big sports guy, and uh, if you've seen Last Chance U, uh, the new season for that is out, which is cool. Uh, that's a great, great documentary. There's another one that just came out called QB1. Beyond the Lights. It follows three high school quarterbacks through their senior year and uh, as they make their way towards uh, big-time college football. So it's just it's really interesting to watch these three different families, three different kids, three different parts of the country. All I'll say is that, you know, it was not like this when I was in high school. Man, these kids are like they're freaking 30 years old. It's wow. uh, it's neat. It's, it's an interesting documentary, especially if you like, if you like football. I started watching Last Chance You, and I really liked it, Reed, and I'm not a football person, there so go. I'm going to take your recommendation there to heart. You go. Well, uh, another great uh, another great episode in the books, just shy of 80 episodes, which is kind of hard to believe. Uh, thanks for all the support. Until next week, be sure to uh, track us down on LinkedIn, Twitter, and all the other good places. But for, uh, for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next time.
This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.